you are listening to the Body of Christ Church podcast. Today's message will be from Pastor Teran C. Smith. We hope it blesses you. We have been exploring the thought of BCC being God's greenhouse. And as a result of being God's greenhouse, what we mean by that is it's a place and a microcosm where the kingdom of heaven comes and flourishes. God's greenhouse. Amen. What that means is that we want to experience what Jesus has paid for, died for, rose from the grave for, and then gave it, then went, sit beside the Father and made sure that we live it. And we want to experience it when we come together corporately in one place. Everybody said amen. This ought to be a microcosm of what it's like in heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of God. And we come together to experience God flourish among us. And everybody said amen. Well, could I get you to go to the next screen, if you will? This clearly means for us to learn how BCC is likened into God's greenhouse. The treacher took a team off site to Ogden, Iowa to interview Hilltop Greenhouse. So let's watch these concluding insights in this last video. Mr. Biddle, what is this particular greenhouse for, and what are these gorgeous plants doing in here? Well, this greenhouse is just basically used for growing spring annuals. These plants are just different type of annuals, celosia, salvia, marigolds, uh, all that type of thing. This greenhouse is a little warmer greenhouse, so we put things in it that will tolerate the heat a little bit better and uh, try to stay away from cooler items because it's fairly nice and bright. You know, one of the questions I have is what or how uh, does the outside environment affect the plants and some of these things on the inside of the greenhouse? Is there any effect or impact that they have as a result of outside? Sure. It's completely uh, based on what, what goes on outside. If it if it's cold, things grow slower. If it's cloudy and cold, things grow even slower. And uh, you'll have to have enough heat to uh, make sure that you can maintain minimum temperatures. If it's too hot, things will stretch and get tall and dry out quickly. Requires more watering, more fertilizer. Very, very oriented on the outdoors. Not only temperature, but cloudiness, daylight hours, length, all that type of thing. You know, you mentioned earlier about stress and preparing the plants and the flowers or even the vegetable plants, uh, creating them so they, they can handle stress, or, or how did you say that? What is that? Right. Mean? Well, when they go outside, Mother Nature, it's not an ideal condition like a greenhouse has. You have lots of different, uh, just normal weather conditions. So if you grow a plant inside that has everything that it always needs, when that plant gets moved outside into those hard conditions, it basically won't make it, uh, a lot of it, unless you're there to baby it all the time, which most people are working. If you forget to water your plant in the morning, sometimes if it's real soft or it has had the ideal conditions inside, you come home, it doesn't look very good. So I try to always dry my plants out, toughen them up, make sure the stems are sturdy, and that they're able to tolerate what Mother Nature is going to send. That's absolutely incredible. Thank you. So, Mr. Biddle, 
Just a few more questions here, and that is, when I was delivering uh, massive amounts of boxes, I don't know what was on the inside, but I don't think they started out looking like this. So when we delivered things coming into the greenhouse, can you explain a little bit about what we were delivering and what, how you received them and how you got them to be like this? Sure. They came basically in some type of a tray very similar to this. Uh, with probably the maximum up to 500 plants in a tray down to 100 in this size. So uh, once we got them, we unpacked them, put them out on a bench. A lot of times they needed watered, or at least they can't stay in the box too long, so you got to get them out and, and hmm. unpacked. And then uh, you, you just handle them and deal with them according to what you're going to put them in. Is that right? So you, how soon would you cause growth to come out of these very small squares to put them into what? Well, the smaller the square, the faster you have to handle them. So uh, if they come into you ready to plant, you probably condition them for a day or two on the bench, just let them use to get out there, and then you can plant them right away. If you'll notice, they have a good solid root ball, and that's what you hope for. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll come in a little small, so you gotta let them sit a little longer. Sometimes they come in a little too big, you got to handle them right away. So, you know, plants are like people. There's nothing perfect. <laughs> yes, sir. What is this particular machine here that we see uh, that we're looking at here? Well, this is a, a flat filler, and basically it fills flats and pots. It takes two to three people to operate, at least two. Feed it in one end, comes out the other end ready to plant. Is that right? So it, you fill it with dirt? Right. Is dirt that... up, down, feeds through and is automatically the right amount is put on as it comes through. Is that right? Well, you mentioned that this particular greenhouse that we're in right now is a lot larger and a lot higher. Uh, what's the purposes of that? Right, well, this, is, this greenhouse was, is from Canada, and if you notice the structure, it's, it, it's a really strong greenhouse to take the snow load up there, uh, also to take wind, and you can grow multiple layers of plants. That's why you see the angle irons, the boards wow. without cutting down the light too much on the bench. The shorter the greenhouse, the more plants, the less light as you go down. Yes, sir. So you can hang plants, you can do lots of that. When I was young, I used to have every layer of this. One, two, three, wow. hanging four. I had five to six layers of In plants. This. Wow. And then it goes back to the buying habits of the people. There there's not as many people doing that type of thing. So you kind of shrink it down, you get a little older, you grow a little less, try to create a work. I used to climb up there to get the plants down. I'm <laughs> yes, a little sir. old for that, you know? <laughs> I understand now what some of the contrast is between indoors and outdoors. And I just want to say thank you so much, Mr. Biddle. This has been an incredible sure. interview. To thank help you. us get more acquainted with what is a greenhouse. Today is designed to transition between God's greenhouse to our doxology. Today is designed for us to go from closing out of God's greenhouse to start speaking about our doxology. Everybody say doxology. doxology. Now, I know many of you all, even some of our elders and senior saints are like, why are we messing around with some religious word? Well... I mean, understand we're here to learn, amen? And I think that you may be very genuinely, dynamically blessed when you come to understand the power that's behind this word doxology. So I want us to know the title throughout we'll be dealing with throughout September is Our Doxology 
Acts chapter 16. So that's the whole title. So it just takes away, even if we get trapped up, we get ensnared at the hurdle of doxology, what we're going to be talking about is Acts chapter 16. But for the definition of doxology, it simply means the study and expressions of praise unto God. Would you say that with me? Study and expressions of praise unto God. So if you will, our doxology, Acts chapter 16. Can I get you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 16? I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. As you can see on this particular uh, hoodie, doxology means an expression of praise to God. We also understand simply by those syllables of ology, meaning study, it also means study and expressions of praise unto God. So grateful to God to be able to hear his voice when we're in his word. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. Amen. So in Acts chapter 16, if you will, we're going to ask that you would follow along. Paul wrote Timothy and said that we ought to read the word of God aloud when we come together. It's also been researched if we do not read the Word of God and you pull out your Bible and read with us, there's less percentage chance that you'll actually read the Scriptures this week. So why don't you pull out a Bible and read along with us so that God increases your opportunity to be able to read His Word this week. Somebody say amen. amen. I don't know if you noticed that. That was great preaching right there. Amen. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, Paul went first to Derby, and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconia. So Paul wanted, I'm sorry, excuse me. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Messiah, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Messiah to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news or the gospel there. At any given point that we're reading, it's okay for you to say amen, amen. or praise the Lord or Jesus, go ahead, do your thing depending on what particular culture you come from. Amen? Uh, verse 11. 
We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed in Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women, one um, who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She, I want y'all to catch this. I mean, it's the side note, but she was already a worshiper of God. So how many understand just because we're a believer, how many understand there's still more? She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged as until we agreed. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns unto God. I mean, that's a good place to shout right there. Say at midnight. Woo! <laughs> and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. <clears throat> <clears throat> the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amen. I don't know if you noticed, I've been around some Baptist preachers. Amen. <laughs> then the Bible says in verse 31, 
They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Everybody say amen. amen. The next morning, the city official sent the police to tell the jailer, or you could say Popo, to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul, you know, he'd be indignant, right? Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. And we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail. And look at this, you all. And the officials did what? apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. But when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. And everybody said amen. amen. In a few minutes, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need about 11 volunteers. So I'm just letting you know right now, I'm going to need 11 volunteers so you all get ready to do that in just a second because I have to finish the message, all right? Everybody say our doxology. Our doxology. Acts chapter 16. Acts. Say that part too. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 16. A study and expressions of praise unto God. So I'm going to make this super quick. Look at this. Here is doxology defined. The word doxology comes from the Greek doxa, which means glory, splendor, or grandeur. Now, you got to love this part. And the word logos, which means word or speaking. So when we talk about doxology, we're talking about a word about splendor and glory. You're right with me. We're talking about the very foundation by which we enter into this place. You pray over your meal. You read your word. It's all based out of and ought to be rooted in the doxology. Everybody say amen. <clears throat> Most doxologies are short hymns of praise to God in various Christian worship services, often added at the end. And we see doxologies drawn from Scripture. We won't go over them right now. But what I will say is this. I could demonstrate to you a doxology because all of us know how to do this, many of us that have grown up Christian, so I'm going to see how well we do it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures. Pause. I don't have enough time. You see y'all know doxology? Do you see you know doxology? You have been doing doxology for a better portion of your life and you didn't even know it was called a doxology. This here was the traditional doxology of the Protestant churches that was written in 1674 in England. Amen? 
You see, a doxology context is the rediscovered power and the fundamental foundations of our faith and following of Jesus Christ throughout stages, ages, and phases that should be successfully passed from one generation onto another. However, our lack of passing or our resisting to receive weakens our walk in our following God by lack of knowledge. Somebody say amen. Would you, can I get you to go to the, Peter, can I get you to go up there? I need 11 people to run up here real quick, if you would. Volunteers, thank you. Shelby, if you would. I need 11 people on the stage real quick. Real quick, please, if you will. Thank you. Need 11. Thank you all. You're volatile. Good. All right. That's excellent. Real quickly, everybody say Acts chapter 16. We're going to be studying. We're going to be what? But I want to show you what we're going to be studying because in that chapter, in that chapter, you'll see these things. Look at this. In Acts chapter 16, in Acts chapter what? Or what we want to say, BCC, our doxology of how we express and praise unto God is this. It started out with young adult disciples. And how many of you know we love our bricks? How many of you know we love our high school students? It says they were strengthened in their faith. And how many know you've got to live by faith to get to any of the extras of God? The Bible says that they were Holy Spirit led not to go places and to go places. Paul had a vision. The Bible says that they went to a place of prayer by the riverbank. And they were speaking the word to the women. And God opened up the heart of Lydia. It also says her house was, was water baptized as well as the jailer's house was water baptized. We talk about hospitality, show it up twice. We see it at Lydia's house and we see it at the jailer's house. They stayed up at night just to care for their wolves and then made sure they ate. That's called hospitality. Not only that, we see human trafficking. They, was work, they were using and enslaving this girl. That's called human trafficking. There were supernatural acts in the service and in the streets. When they were at the riverbank, he was praying and she accepted Jesus. When she was out on the, out just chilling, he turned around and cast out a demon. Why? Because that's called deliverance or cast out. This is not symbolic or some comic book. He cast out an evil spirit. And we see, I don't know if you notice or not, but when you... We can come in here and worship and sing and lift our hands and do all that. And the, and the banks, the government, and everybody else won't mind what we do. Because they just call us a sect, a little religious thing. They go over there and they, they believe something that don't, is not real. But the moment they tapped into the marketplace, the moment they start changing their income and the wealth system and the economy of that city, then everything rose up against the people of God. When they start activating in the supernatural and casting out spirits, then it wasn't just a little believing. Now you'd have gone too far. In Acts chapter 16, at midnight, say at midnight. How I many you know it may not be midnight, it might be 5.59, it might be 3 p.m., it might be 8 a.m., but it can still be a midnight hour. Because midnight represents the darkest hour. And at times, some of us go through dark things. 
Sometimes we feel separated from people. Sometimes we hold things against people and we think they're the problem when genuinely we might be the problem. I want you to understand that they say praises unto God. When it becomes a dark hour in our lives, we need to learn how to not complain and pertain, but begin to sing. That's what they did. Why? Because when that happened, moves of God's presence, that earthquake happened because God showed up, because people sang praises unto him. They were freed in Christ. That's where that song really came from. I don't care who's singing, Bethel or some Kojak gospel choir. Break every chain. Break it. Great song. But you know what? That was Bible. Those chains fell off of them and they were freed. And it wasn't just them, but it was all around them. All who heard them. I say to you, it was free in Christ and liberty. How many understand that man entered in and he said he was going to kill himself? And today there's an epidemic of people that are contemplating suicide, self-harm, cutting each other, cutting yourself, taking things, letting go, vomiting, all kinds of diseases. I want you to understand people, more people today, even young people, 20-something, dealing with depression. This is real. This was for real. And we see it right there in Acts chapter 16. Here he is, the jailer, about to fall on the sword. But how you understand, God used Paul, who was the one that was supposed to be locked up. He was the one that caused that to be intervened. And we, though we feel like we're locked up, we need to be the intervention for some people to not cut themselves, to not harm themselves, to not have self-limiting habits. God wants us to be used them by him to do so. And then the what? their midnight hours in lives and the whole household was saved by the word of God the justice system was Paul says no I'm not leaving they treated me with injustice they gonna have to come let me out the right way and it finally says they rejoiced they were encouraged and they returned back to those who became believers all of that is Acts chapter 16 give the Lord a praise offering amen praises unto God. Come on, no, say it together. Say, sing praises unto God. I want to show you something. These, here's my preview. Some of us want to praise and worship God based on personality or emotion. And this is just going to be straight knowledge. It's not based on how we feel. It's not based on your ethnicity. It's not based on what church you was raised in. Here's my point. We're either doing these things or we're not. Period. Everybody say period. Here we go. Shabbat. Shout praise. Expresses confidence to God's ability. Barak. Kneel, bless the Lord. Expresses humility. Yada. The extended of the hand expresses gratitude. How many understand this is not extended of the hand? I know you cool. I promise. I got you. You super cool. But here it says yada, which is almost the Hebrew word for hand, means it's the extended hand. Extended hand expresses what? 
gratitude, thankfulness, and surrender. The Hebrew word toda means the raised hand. It expresses adoration. Taka means to clap and applaud. It expresses joy and victory. Hallel, celebrate how? Extravagantly. The root of the word hallelujah, which means praise, holla to Yad, God, expresses joy, jubilation, and celebration. Tahila means singing scripture to instruct and encourage. Tafila, prayer, often sung as intercession and petition. Kara means dance. David danced before the Lord with all his might, expresses joy and celebration. Zamar, make music by striking the fingers on strings or parts of musical instrument. When we play instrumentally to facilitate a holy atmosphere, it's not just church cocktail music, it's Zamar. Come on, somebody. I'll start on this end. Whatever I say do, you do it. We need volunteers. The first one is Shabbat, which means shout or scream out. Right, Shabbat? Praise God! All right, is it? say bow. Help me understand, if Barak means to bow, this is not Barak. This might be Barak. This might even be Barak. But this is not Barak. Good job. Yoda means to lift or throw up arms upward in praise and surrender. Now here's the key about Yoda. Yoda means this. Yoda means like that. Like you just can't help yourself. Like this. Right? Have you ever been with a worshiper like that? You can't help yourself, Yoda. Come on, let's do it right now. Yoda. There you go, Hayden. Together in one community means Toda means to shout or to address with a loud voice. But Toda goes even further. It includes an attitude of gratitude for God's promise and deliverance, even while you're still in need. This type of praise also refers to lifting up a hands and inviting God. Come on! The Hebrew word Tara means clap. And look, all different ethnicities mean it. So therefore, clap. Come on, somebody. Hallel. Listen, means to boast foolishly, to make a show of it. Yeah, girl, come on. You got to bring it. Bring it. Boastfully. All right, that's all right. Amen. Tahila. No, you got to sing something, sister. Bless the Lord. All right, praise God. Tehillah. Real quickly, this is where people are talking about spontaneous praise in Hebrew now. Like what, what Sister Monique does and what Sister um, Justina does, or what you all call her Tina. 
That's what that is. Tefillah means a prayer, often saying as intercession and a prayer. All right, say this, say our Father. Amen, praise the Lord, there you go. Kara means to dance, woo, come on, yeah! Seba means to reach out with affection for God, to feel his hold on us. Brandon, oh, look at that, that's good looking, bro. Amen. And the Hebrew word zamar, listen to what Martin Luther said, the Reformation. The gift of language combined with the gift of song was given to man that he should proclaim the word of God through music. And everybody said amen. All right. Uh, go like this. Like that. There you go. Come on. Get, get, get down. You got to get down with it. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Praise God. Let's everybody stand. Everybody stand. We all are going to do this last one. You can go play. Let's thank God for our volunteers right now in Jesus' name. Bring the lights down. Everybody say hallelujah. No, look, look what it says. A shouting call for corporate praise. A shouting call for corporate praise. Right? Say hallelujah. Come on, freely say hallelujah. And do some Kara. Come on, do some Yoda. We're not even going to have them sing today so we can be released to our time of party. Prayer and altar call team, if you would come up. Listen, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the purpose of life is not going around looking for us to be happy, but God, I want to be useful. God, I want you to use my life. I see that you've given me a life, a life that I did not deserve. But Jesus Christ paid a perfect price. So I give you my life so that it might be used well for someone. Those that are singing, I think we're all singing. Bring up, oh, come. Let's just sing that through. Oh, come to the altar. there may be people in here today or watching online God that they feel themselves is that they too have been put in a dungeon they've been put in a hole even as some of the Thompsons and the Lawsons and others have gone to Israel and Elder Thompson brought back the concept of being put in a hole Father for the one that feels like they've just been stuck and they've been put in a hole Maybe they want to praise you, but they feel enslaved. 
to self-limiting habits or something that was picked on or called out. This week, as Pastor Holly said, was tougher than was anticipated or expected. God, we are asking that you right now, that you whisper to the soul and the heart that needs to come to your altar, that they just have come to the end of themselves and they need to know that Jesus, you still move today. Hebrews chapter 13 says that you're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And as a result of that, Jesus, we now have an altar. You are our altar. We don't bring animals to an altar anymore. For Jesus, you paid the once and for all perfect sacrifice. So Jesus, you are the altar. We come to you, Jesus. Wherever we are, Jesus, you are. And you have made yourself available for us to come to you. So your word says now we offer to you the sacrifice of praise. God, in the name of Jesus, we lay down our lives and our will that your will would be done in our lives as on earth as it is in heaven. So receive me to yourself, God. Break me free from the hole I'm in. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.